Please join me in prayer. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, the fifth chapter, beginning at the first verse. One day, as Jesus was standing by the, by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore, and, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, well, master, we've, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Father's Day and fishing kind of go together. It's, it's what a lot of dads like to do. Father's Day calls to my mind the fishing expeditions of my early childhood. My earliest years were spent in the Bay Area. and My dad would wake up my brother and me about 3.30 in the morning and we would drive from Mountain View to the beach at Santa Cruz. And there used to be an old cement ship that served as a pier and we would walk clear to the end of it and catch ocean perch by the dozens. Those are some of the fondest memories of my dad. It was just my dad and his boys. And uh, when we weren't catching fish, we, were, we just talked, which is why fishing is such a wonderful activity. You're forced to slow down and just be present to one another. I asked Kyle to put a picture of my dad up on the screen. It's, it's one of my favorite pictures of him. It's kind of funny because my dad was, was really not an outdoorsman and, uh, in, and wasn't that much into fishing, despite our early fishing expeditions. Uh, my brothers and I uh, laugh because we, we have this magnificent picture of, of dad fly fishing and he's out in the stream with all the right equipment looking like he knows what he's doing and actually the photo was staged. My dad was in advertising and this photo of him was for an ad campaign. There is, of course, a lot about fish and fishing in the New Testament, uh, since much of Jesus' ministry centered around a lake and four of his original disciples anyway were fishermen. Perhaps it's not surprising that the fish served as a symbol for Christianity long before the cross. For the first 250 years, Jesus' followers had to be discreet about displaying their Christian faith in public. They were a persecuted minority in those early years, harassed for their beliefs, even martyred. If you came upon someone you thought was a fellow believer, you would make one arc of a fish outline in the sand, and if the other person completed the arc, you knew that you shared a mutual bond. Speaking of the Bible and fish, there's, there's a story of a pastor who uh, was visiting the first grade Sunday school class. and He called on a six-year-old boy and asked him what his favorite Bible story was. 
Why so long? I guess it's the one about Noah and the ark where they float on the water for 40 days and 40 nights. Oh, that's a good story, said the pastor. I mean, with all that water, I bet they had a good time fishing, don't you think? The boy thought for a moment and said, well, I don't see how they could. After all, they only had two worms. Now, there's a smart kid. And speaking of smart, I mean, this, this actually was found in the newspaper, but a, a man was stopped by a game warden in, in northern Michigan with two big buckets of fish, leaving a lake well known for its fishing. And the fisherman knew he was in big trouble. Uh, and so he had to think fast on his feet. The game warden asked the man, do you have a license to catch those fish? No, sir, he replied, but these are my pet fish. Pet fish, said the warden. Yes, sir. Every night I take these here fish down to the lake and let them swim around for a while, and I, I whistle and they jump back into their buckets and I take them home. Oh, that's a bunch of hooey, said the warden. Fish can't do that. Well, here, I'll, I'll show you it. It really works. Okay, I've got to see this. Game warden was curious now. So the man poured the fish into the lake, stood and waited, and after several minutes, the game warden turned to the man and said, Well? Well, what? The man responded. When are you going to call them back? Call who back? The man asked. The fish! What fish? Our scripture lesson uh, is a fish story, but unlike a lot of fish stories, this one is the gospel truth. With his sermon done for that particular morning, Jesus turned to the disciples and said, Hey guys, let's go fishing. And Simon Peter's response was really pretty interesting. When, uh, when Jesus wanted to use Simon's boat for a pulpit because of the pressing crowds, there was no problem. But when, when Jesus wants to use Simon's boat for fishing, Simon protests. I mean, we can hear him saying, now, now, now wait a minute, we, we've been fishing all night, we, we, we've caught nothing, the, the fish just don't bite when the sun comes up. Every fisherman worth his salt knows that. Going out now is a waste of time. And he's implying that while Jesus knows about preaching, he, Simon Peter, knows about fishing. And have you ever felt that way, that Jesus knows about spiritual things like God, prayer, heaven, and so on, but when it comes to practical affairs like running your business or your home, that's where you are the expert. Peter had that problem. Uh, what's a carpenter from Nazareth? What's he know about fishing? But to humor the Lord, Simon Peter agreed to give it a try, and off they went, and the results were astounding. It's one of the biggest fish stories of all time. Simon must have delighted in telling it, because no sooner had he let out the nets, it began to fill with fish, and so huge was the haul, the nets were about to rip apart. Simon Peter frantically called out to his fishing partners in the other boat to help. The fish filled both boats, nearly swamping them, and Simon was so awed and overwhelmed, he fell on his knees before Jesus in the middle of all those belly-flopping fish and said, Master, I... I'm a sinner. I can't handle this holiness. In the face of this great miracle, they were all overcome with amazement and utterly overwhelmed by their own sense of unworthiness and inadequacy. They may have caught a lot of fish, but Jesus just then caught Simon Peter and his friends for the kingdom of God. Don't be afraid, said Jesus. From now on, you will catch people. There is a Greek word used here. The word is zogreo, but it means literally to take alive. It's a technical fishing term. It meant to catch people in such a way that they were still alive when brought to shore for sale. They were to take people alive for the kingdom of God. 
And I, I like that image uh, much better than we might have of, you know, deceptively luring people in and clubbing them over the head once they're in the boat. I mean, sadly, too much evangelism has been conducted the wrong way, beating people over the head with the gospel, manipulating or pressuring people into making a decision for Christ. That's not at all what Jesus has in mind. With Jesus, fishing for people is more like catch and release. We, we catch people and then release them into the loving care and friendship of God. Jesus was promising those early disciples that they would be involved in taking people alive for the kingdom, snatching them from spiritual death and setting them free to live under the gracious rule of God. And that's exciting business. I mean, what could be more thrilling than to fish for those who don't know Jesus and help them find liberation from addiction or hopelessness or the misery of sin and selfishness? To be a disciple is to become a fisher of people. That's our basic mission. To follow Jesus is to bring others into his friendship. But it's so easy for you and for, and for me to feel so inadequate in this task. We're all too aware of our own personal problems and weaknesses. And, and so we naturally ask, you know, how can I be, be a fisher of people? With all the problems I've got, how can I point anyone in God's direction? Simon Peter certainly was aware of his own inadequacy and unworthiness. Oh, Lord, I'm a sinful man. But the Lord sent Simon out anyway. Taking people alive does not require a perfect life or a superior spirituality. In fact, since we've got the same problems everyone else has, we have a point of contact with others and can better communicate, therefore, the adequacy of Jesus Christ to meet those needs. But if the basic task of every Christian and of every church is catching people for Jesus Christ and gathering, gathering them by His Spirit into the kingdom, exactly how do we do that? Well, there are no rules or set methods. I suppose there are as many ways to fish for people as there are disciples. Some disciples are really quite, quite creative. I remember hearing about a, a member of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle who used to live in the university district. And as part of her ministry, this tiny woman walked the unsafe streets of the district in the night hours and frequently had her purse snatched on purpose. And in it, the thief finds a note saying, My dear friend, you must be in great trouble if you needed to steal this purse. I am sorry for you, and I love you, and I believe God loves you and wants to help you, and so do I. So here's my address and my phone number. Please come and see me. Oh, I love her heart, her creativity, and her boldness, but this approach is definitely not recommended. I think of one gentleman in our church who used to make small cards, calling, calling card size, and upon them he would write uplifting scripture verses and encouraging positive sayings with smiley faces on them. I mean, he was making emojis long before there were emojis. And uh, he would leave these cards wherever he went, at the hospital where he volunteered, on the table at the restaurant, at a store counter, what have you. Um, he felt it was his calling from the Lord to spread good cheer and, uh, and uh, to encourage people and to spread the, the love of God. And this was his way of doing it. And who knows what impact that little card had on, on somebody's day or on somebody's life. But like I say, there are, are as many ways to fish for people as there are disciples. To put it simply, you and I are to love people into the kingdom. The only prerequisite to such ministry is to love Jesus and to love the people that you're with. And then we can pray for good things to overwhelm them. Perhaps then they will want to know more from us and we can share the good news of the difference Christ has made in their own lives. Perhaps in the end they will be won over by the attractiveness of our lives as we follow Jesus. Certainly we can only hope and pray that that's the case. But we dare not make sharing our faith too difficult or complicated. Paul Turnier, who was a very great psychologist, famous psychologist, a devout Christian, 
reminds us that our task is to live our personal communion with Christ with such intensity as to make it contagious. If we stay close to Jesus Christ and rely upon him, then we shall naturally draw others to him. And then they will want to know what we know and will want, and they will want to have what we have. However, if you and I ever get to the point where our goal is to have people point to us saying, what a wonderful person, we're missing the mark. Instead, our goal is to have people say, what a wonderful God this person serves. Our aim is to have people say, tell me about your God. As we think about our task to catch people for the kingdom of God, there are just a few practical handles. Uh, the, the first thing is to know the pond we're fishing in. And so we ask ourselves, well, who are the people in my life who really need to hear and experience the good news of God's love? So we think about our own context, our own family, our circle of, of acquaintances, the folks we normally run into during the day. Who are the folks who could really use some encouragement, who, who really need God's comfort and peace just now? Is there something that we can say or do that would be appropriate at this moment to reach out to them in love? And then we can pray for these people individually, asking that God would draw them to himself. And then we need to keep on praying for them, which which calls for us to be patient. God has different timing for, for different people in our lives. In fact, if there's one thing fishing calls for, it's a lot of patience. One can have a line in the water and wait for hours for a bite. I guess that's why some people think that fishing is just downright boring. But you have to be patient, and the great thing is that patience is often ultimately rewarded. I love the story of Monica, the mother of St. Augustine. Augustine, who lived in the 4th, 5th centuries, was one of the greatest theologians of the Christian church. But for years and years, Augustine was a pagan to the core, living a wild and, and riotous life. Uh, Monica, a devout follower of Christ, prayed and prayed for her son, longing for his conversion to Christ, but seemingly to no avail, and years passed by. But she kept on praying for, for Augustine, and finally, her perseverance and prayer was answered. Augustine heard God speak to him as he was walking in a garden one day, asking him to pick up a Bible and read. And the word of God penetrated his heart. Augustine gave his life to Christ, and the rest is history. So let us pray for the people around us, asking God to open hearts and minds, soften, soften those hearts, draw people to himself. Let's pray that God would create an opportunity for us to deepen our relationship with family and friends and acquaintances, meaning new people as well, that the, the Lord might use us as a channel or agent of his blessing. And the more we talk to God about certain people, the more effective we will be in eventually talking to them more directly about the blessings of knowing Christ. And then as we pray for these folks who had invite them to watch our, our church service online, and when this pandemic is over, Perhaps we can invite them to attend in-person worship with us or a Bible study or a fellowship event where they might have an opportunity to hear more about Christ in a non-threatening way. But of course, in everything, we depend upon the Lord's timing and the Lord's resources. When Simon Peter was out there laboring in his own strength, he didn't catch a thing. But with the Lord, the nets were full to overflowing. Catching people and landing them in the kingdom is ultimately the Lord's responsibility. We don't save anybody. The Spirit of God draws people to himself. He does the saving. He brings them into the kingdom. Uh, we, go out, we go out in that assurance and confidence. The Lord's already out there working in people's lives, drawing people to himself. Many people would be eager to respond if you and I but shared the good news with them. 
At the end of the Gospel of John, there is another fish story. You can find it in John chapter 20. It's an episode after the death and resurrection of the Lord. The disciples have gone back to fishing. Uh, this time the, the disciples are out in their boat. They spend a long night fishing without so much as a bite. A man appears to them on the seashore and calls out to them asking, friends, haven't you any fish? Do you have any fish? Disciples cast out their nets once again, and lo and behold, there's a miraculous catch of fish, and they realize that, that's, that that stranger can be none other than the risen Jesus himself. The question Jesus addressed to the disciples in the boat is addressed to us as well. Church, how is your fishing? Are you reaching out to those beyond, beyond you? How many disciples are you making? How many people outside the church have, you, have, have experienced the good news because you have reached out to them? Are you catching any fish? Paul Harvey, the, the radio commentator, once said, too many Christians are no longer fishers of men, but keepers of the aquarium. It does no good to be cozily gathered together in our church if we have no concern for reaching the people outside the, our walls. An inward-focused church majoring in maintenance misses its very purpose. An aquarium without a fresh inflow of fish is going to go stale and die pretty fast. So let's give ourselves anew to the task of taking people alive for Jesus by the power of the Spirit. There's no more important or exciting calling. Let's go fishing. Amen.